Uh, you all know as well as I do in this time of straight up dysfunction of chaos, all we ever want is to connect and make some goddamn sense of this world. Am I right? I mean, it is how I found you, how you found me on Cancel Me Baby. What a happy family, like kumbaya. Am I right? I know. But today we have mm, a special guest, another one. I know, as DJ Khaled would say, but you know what? Even he ain't got shit because I have a guest. He is the connection aficionado. I swear. So this man, let me just give you a little breakdown as usual. Okay. So he has basically built a, he's an entrepreneur. He's basically built a business off of connecting people. Okay. He has the podcast, build your network. Okay. He's the creator of the app Guestio, which gets high profile figures, celebrities, et cetera, to connect with, you know, peasants and, or creators, like whoever you want to say. Okay. He's been featured in Forbes an entrepreneur. And here's probably my fave. He has had a personal endorsement. You guys know how I feel about a shark tank moment. Okay. From the OG shark, Kevin Harrington, you guys remember Kevin? Yeah, I know he gave this guy. I'm about to have a personal endorsement. And can you say this? Can you say the same bitch? I don't think so. Okay. So without further ado, the podcasting, like I said, kind of sewer, Travis Chapel. Hi, Travis. What's up, Taylor? Travis, are you ready to enter the Cancel Me Baby chat today? Yeah, definitely. I am stoked to be here. So we're going to be talking about all things, you know, we're going to be talking about internet, uh, you know, toxicity and superficiality. We're going to be talking about celebrities, censorship. We're going to be even hitting up, you know, we're going to be talking a little, you know, Howard Stern and the shade of it all. I saw your recent blog posts. Okay. But first things first, Travis, I have to tell you, I am because first, you know, appearances are everything, right? Our first impression of somebody. And before even meeting you and talking to you, you already surprised me. And the reason being is that I saw you and you're very like, all of your things online are very polished and you seem like a very, you know, like a city kind of guy. And then when I read about your background, you talk about being from this like Southern California bubble, how you went to Bible college. And it's just, I mean, I don't know about you and the guests you have, but it's like, there you go. You already surprised me, you know, looks are in everything. That's true. That, that is, that is facts. You would not be able to tell my background from uh, looking at the stuff I do today. That's for sure. Right. But it's even like your whole aesthetic. And the reason that I bring this up is because you're right. You're all about connecting people. When I would do my red carpet interviews, I would often point out people's appearances off the bat, you know, Oh, Brooklyn Decker, look at your boobs. She's like, you want to touch them? You know, Danny DeVito, I would make fun of the height difference. He's like, take your shoes off. And then all roads lead to and from boobs. So he'd be like, look, now we're at the boob eye level thing. But I bring it up because I feel like today, oddly enough, appearances are something that we like can't acknowledge. It's like men can't hit on women. We can't bring up race, but at the same time, we're supposed to celebrate each other's differences yet. We can't acknowledge them, even though it's the first thing we see. Right. That's true. Yeah, that is true. It's a very confusing world to live in. That's for sure. Is there somebody, cause you've, I mean, you've interviewed Shaq, you've interviewed like Tommy Lauren, you've been all over. Is there somebody who 
maybe in that regards took you off guard. Maybe by appearances, wasn't exactly what you thought. You know, frankly, no, just because I do so much research on like all the people that I interview that by the time, like, like if I ask them to come on my on the show, it's usually because I have some sort of interest in bringing them on. Like I know something about them, but by the time we get to the interview, I've done like so much research on them that I'm pretty much to the point where I'm like, I pretty much know everything that there is to know from like Google about this person. Now I want to dig into some other things, you know, but uh, yeah, like first appearances and stuff. There's been a lot of people that, that have really fit what I thought they were going to be. Um, there's been some people though, that have kind of surprised me in terms of like, they weren't really uh, like they, they put out this persona of themselves online and then you meet them and they're, they're, they're like totally different. There's been a bit of yes. people like that for sure. Well, even that, like to bring it back to you, that's even how I felt. Cause like I said, you have this, I can't like quite describe it, but it's, well, now you can't see because you have the baseball cap on, but it's like the haircut and the suit and all this. And then I'm reading about you and you're like, I was married when I was 15 and I grew up <laughs> going to Bible camp, you know? So that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite 15, but it, it could have been 15. We, we, we were actually, we're dating when I was 16. So uh, I'm 29 to so this year. We'll be together 13 years married for eight. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it was, it was an interesting way to grow up to say the least. And I definitely understand what you mean by like, there's been some surprises along the way. Like even like, uh, like, uh, like Tommy, uh, Laren, like she has this like big kind of almost, uh, brash personality online. Uh, when you meet her in person, she's total sweetheart, just so much fun to hang out with and, and really, really cool. Um, kind of same with Grant Cardone is, he puts on the big bravado alpha male type thing, but you sit down and have a conversation with him in his office, um, like one-on-one. -on -one, and it's just like, he's just a normal dude, you know, trying to get through and make the right decisions for him and his family. Like pretty much, pretty much, you know, most people that I talk to, they're doing big things in the world are, are kind of that way. It's kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, I, even with my show, the whole premise obviously is cancel me. I dare you. I'm going to speak the unpopular point of view, say what people are thinking, but it's so funny, Travis, because in real life I will be shake. I hate confrontation. So it's a little bit of like an alter ego, if you want to call it. I don't know, but it's interesting yeah. that you point that out. It's an outlet. Which, it's an that? outlet. I said, it's an outlet because nobody can come into your podcast studio in your home or wherever you are and uh, confront you about it. It's allows you like having a space like this allows you to be able to communicate your thoughts yes. maybe a little bit more clearly without having the fear or worry of like judgment or condemnation in real time, you know? And it's all, yeah. It's like who, I don't know about you, but I can't be bothered. We're going to get into like, again, the toxicity of the internet, but I can't be bothered with the comments and the tweeting. I mean, my Twitter, like it's literally a corpse. I, for this very reason, I feel like, you know, my show and like the people you're saying, maybe it's just, it's my way. And who has the time for all the petty shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, so right. I'm not here to, you know, bulldoze people. That's either. well, nobody that's doing big things has time for it. You know, like that. I, forget, I read some somewhere recently. Somebody was like, "I like I've never been hated on by somebody doing more than me," and I was like, "That's so true." Like, oh, if people yeah, are yeah. working on big things; they don't have time to sit there and hate on people that are doing things that are way smaller than what they're doing. Or like, it just doesn't make sense. It's not a it's not a sensible use of your time. Take note, Chrissy Teigen, the pre the premise of why I called her out years ago. It's a whole long story, Travis. I'll f I'll fill you in offline. My listeners, I'll love that. So let's get into the like I you know hinted at earlier the Howard Stern shade. 
of it all because you were opinionated about this. Basically, Howard Stern came out. You guys, how I feel about like the TikTok influencers, basically how Howard Stern feels about podcasters. He's like, make it the real way. Go get on a radio station in Timbuktu, earn the ratings like the rest of us. Okay. And basically, Travis, you called BS on his ass. But I have to say, there's one thing he said that I agree with, and I want your take on this. He said, and this is true, though, where a lot of like Sally, Mary, you know, Joey, everyone and their mom thinks they can have a podcast, right? And he says a lot of people are talking to other people who don't, who aren't really that interesting. They're fucking bores, but no one tells them that. I.e., in my opinion, like every person who was ever on The Bachelor has a podcast. Who fucking cares? I'm sorry. So, Travis, take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, well, first off, I got to give respect to the legend that is Howard Stern. He is the goat of radio. Um, But it was, it was uh, like, it's weird because in podcasting, you, especially a few years ago, there were no really like podcasting legends yet. It was still so new. And so you look at like the radio broadcasters as being the legends. You look at like Charlemagne the God and the Breakfast Club and, and like before it was a massive podcast, it was a massive radio show. You look at Jason Ellis on Sirius XM or, or Howard Stern on, on Sirius XM and, and you go like, those people are the ones doing it right. So it was kind of a bummer to see somebody like that, like talking mad shit about the podcast space uh, because like you look up to him so much. Um, but, uh, frankly, I think a lot of it is just that, I mean, first of all, he's not a spring chicken anymore, you know, like he's been doing something for so long and there's an innovation coming that like threatens his existence and not just his existence, but his path to success. It threatens his path to success and almost, um, uh, cheapens the amount of work that he had to put in to get to the point where he is. And so I can understand his, his perspective on it. I just completely disagree on most things. And to your point, he did say a couple of things that I fully agree with. Um, but, uh, but I, I think that, I think that uh, listeners are a form of direct feedback. And if, if you're one of those people that's talking to, you know, Harry, Sally, Mary, or whoever, and you're having uninteresting conversations about nothing, then you probably have about 23 downloads an episode. And uh, like the market's going to respond to the quality of what you're putting out anyway. Um, and so like his, his, his thing about like, well, you know, do it the right way and you'll get a rating sheet and that's how you'll know how good you are. It's like, yeah, that's called download numbers. Like what, what do you like? You're, you're acting as if there's no way for me to tell if people are enjoying my show. Um, there are some things that he said that I think that were just kind of, like I said, out of spite or out of hate for something that's burgeoning, that's new. Like when you see somebody, like when, when Howard Stern dedicated his entire life to being, to doing radio and he gets a hundred million dollar, you know, Sirius XM deal. And then Joe Rogan comes in, who was just like, you know, shooting the shit with his buddies in his garage and was focused on a stand-up career, entertainment career, fear factor, and all this other stuff. And then he accidentally becomes bigger than Howard Stern and gets a bigger deal than Howard Stern got in a like fraction of the period of time. That has to, to some extent, threaten the, uh, the validity of your career in your own mind, even though obviously it doesn't. Howard Stern's still a legend. Um, so I think that I think that he said a few of those things kind of like out of hate and out of, out of spite. And then he said a couple of things that were correct, which is most podcasters suck and uh, probably probably shouldn't be doing it. Uh, but also, like I said, they're not the ones that are doing it full time. Those they're, they're the ones that have a job and they come home and maybe a podcast is their outlet, which is which is a really cool part of it. Like you don't have to do it. 
to get to full-time. You don't have to do it to try to make money. It could just be a really fun outlet because you like getting together with your buddies once a week, drinking beer and talking about sports. And it's a way for you to like, forget about how shitty your job is for a little bit, you know? Hmm, so diplomatic, Travis. And I like it because <laughs> the reason being, I find myself on kind of both sides of it. And I could find myself kind of you know, not empathizing with him, but tell me if I'm wrong. Cause a lot of the times on my show, I have a lot of people in the business, obviously my experience as an entertainment journalist, red carpet reporting, being in media for, you know, a decade. And I have a lot of people who listen, who are creators, actors, influencers, all this, and I'll talk about it and I'll grapple with it on the show and offline with them. And, you know, I'm just going to say for what it is, it's like, we almost have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because the barrier to entry is so low now. So it's almost like we see, you know, people twerking in their, you know, scrubs, which the audacity, whatever mindless TikToks that have no depth, you know, no intelligence blowing up. And it almost feels like a competition in a way. And so it's like, you don't want to shit on them because it's their own you know, if they figured out a way to make money and make a killing, why are we going to knock them? But at the other end of it, it's like this shit, is this our future? Like somebody help. So am I wrong? Is what I and so many are feeling, is that the equivalent of what Howard Stern is saying? Like, totally. Totally. Yeah. Just on a grander scale, you know, like he's literally dedicated his entire career to this. And now he has an entirely new medium that is potentially uprooting his like, like, like imagine you dedicate your entire career to refining a skill set, and then you get to the end of your career and you're helping other people. And then you realize that everything, you know, has become irrelevant because technology made it irrelevant. Like that's gotta be a pretty shitty feeling. You know what I mean? Even though like, yeah. like he's looking at it as like a threat to this platform when it really could just be an amplification of this platform. And I think that's the problem. Okay. I think most people suffer from a scarcity mindset rather than an abundance mindset, which is why people like to hate on people uh, because they think there's not enough to go around. There's not enough fame. There's not enough money. Yes. There's not enough status. There's not enough of all these other things. So if that person has some, that means there's less for me. And that's just not true. It, and so people get so stuck true. in this, like, with, like this cycle of just like hating on other people and completely understandably, like to your point, like if you went to four years of, of school for media and journalism and you get out and you go get a shitty job at a TV station and you're like interviewing the local cat that like you took a cookie to the homeless guy or whatever, you know, like, like these bullshit stories that you get fed and you worked that line for 15 years and you finally got to red carpet. And then you finally got to this thing and you like see some asshole that starts a YouTube channel, has a viral video blows up. And the next day is interviewing the rock is like, well, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a bummer. That's why I made the dig at the bachelor thing because right. It's like, and I can admit my, you know, my biases and where I come from, but it's exactly that. It's like, I've carved and kicked and, you know, fought my way through. And it's like, bitch, you could have just shown your tits on the bachelor and here you go. A hundred thousand downloads and a half. Why does a bitch try? So, you know, it's, it's that idea. And, you know, but it's also like, is it the way the cookie crumbles? But it's also to a bigger point though, Travis, because I wanted to talk to you about like immediate gratification, even in the TikTok world, because you're very immersed in social media, right? It's like, is our, the, the idea of our society rewarding you and for what, for yeah. what, like little, like, where's the dedication and the perseverance, right? It's like, sure. I don't know. I think that's valid. Sure. Yeah. There, there's definitely something to that. The question is like, where do you go from there? 
it's like, yeah, that's a good argument, but in a free market, the market decides who's successful and who's not successful. So like the point that I get to is like, I can either sit here and complain about the market accepting something as fact or fiction, or I can accept what the market decided was fact and play into what the market wants to see from me. And so like you almost like, and I'm not one of those people, by the way, that like, like you, you're not going to look through my TikTok and Instagram and see a bunch of videos of me like dancing to trends and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that you have to do it the way that other people are doing it, but I do think that like being conscious to it, being open to it, and then being willing to adapt and change along the way is going to be much, not even like better for your success, but better for your like mental health. Because like you, you could beat yourself up all day, every day. Cause you're seeing this, like, Hey, this 14 year old kid is get it has like 15 million followers on TikTok and is getting multi, you know, five figure brand deals and stuff like that. And it's like, how is this fair? You know, I've been at this for 20 years or whatever. And it's like, well, it's at the end of the day, what's that? It's like, it's the way the cookie crumbles. Like, I yeah, said. well, like, I mean, exactly like that. I mean, I always ask the question, where do I go from here? It's like, yes, but what happens next? Like I can sit here and whine and complain about it, which only hurts me. Like the other person will never know that I'm whining and complaining about their success, right? Like they're just basking in the glow of their success. <laughs> so yeah. like I can either sit here, whine, complain about it, be negative and hate myself, or I can go, okay, how can I play into this? Or do I abandon this altogether and take this other path, this alternate route? It's just like a question of how long are you going to sit, sulk, whine, complain before you take action and find a different way to do it and make it happen for yourself? I guess also I like to hold up a mirror to our society, the ugly truths. So where I get existential with it is like, to your point, some of these mindless, the dances, whatever, 12 year old blowing up. It's also, you're right. The market decides. So it makes me think, what does it say about us? Like, are we that is, that is the difficult, that's the scary question to be right? honest. I heard, um, I actually was on Joe Rogan uh, recently that I, I, I did not validate this to be true, but I think it was when he was interviewing Mr. Beast. Um, he was saying that in China, China regulates the algorithm of TikTok and shows their kids videos that want to them, that, that make them want to be more productive, like things about like people having big accomplishments or doing like, or being really talented or playing the piano really well or winning this competition or this thing. And, uh, and it, it just like went to show me like, oh man, yeah, we're, we're going to lose to China in about 50 years because <laughs> their, their, their long-term thinking is so much better than ours. Like we're worried about like, how do I make this dance look cool? And then like these other kids are like, how can I be a chess prodigy by age 12? You know? So yeah, that it's, was it's, it's, it's disconcerting to say the least. Okay. But on the flip side also about the, I can't believe I didn't bring this up with the appearance thing, but now talking to you, you, uh, you look like an ex of mine and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a situation. Just going to put that out there. You have your, his mannerisms and everything. And you know, when you're talking to someone, Oh, actually no. Cause you married your high school sweetheart, but you guys listening know, and you're trying to like keep it moving and not make it awkward. Like I just did and move past it. Yeah. But just so you know, <laughs> situation that's going on. So, okay. But here's like on the kind of contrary to that and sticking to the Howard Stern thing. So here's, what's like kind of funny though. Yeah. Is. I recently had on the creator of Girls Gone Wild, Joe Francis, on my show, who is, love him or hate him, he's a media mastermind. I mean, he helped basically make the Kardashians and all this. And he's friends with Howard Stern. And I talked about this with him. Now we talk about kind of like, 
mindless, whatever. And in Howard Stern's heyday, like the raunchy, the shock jock shit, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's what's funny is right now we're talking like, where's the depth? Where's the intelligence and all this? And at Joe Francis, I said, where's the old school, school Howard Stern? Like he's gone woke, he's gone soft, he's gone all these things. And Joe Francis, and I want to get your take on this as someone so immersed in the business, he goes, I don't blame him, Taylor. He's like, he's you know, up there in age, he's making a ton of money from Sirius XM. He's not going to rock the boat and risk it because money speaks louder than anything else. So what do you think about that? Well, I think, first of all, that's a very powerful insight because that is true. You know, like, like, I think, I think that he, he has to worry about the opinions of two people, his listeners and Sirius XM. And so if culture as a whole is transitioning over to being, um, you know, maybe not more woke, but more at least concerned with certain things that people are saying, then I think that he is at least sensitive to like, he'll even tell you like he's, he's a, a student of his ratings. And so like, if his ratings go down because he's like tearing somebody up when he doesn't necessarily have to, to get very similar style of content, like he still has that shock jock factor and still asks questions that most people wouldn't dare to ask, but it's because he's Howard Stern and he's earned the right to do it over the course of like two and a half decades. Um, but at this point, I, I think that, I think that he just is listening to his listeners and what made him famous isn't necessarily what's going to keep him famous. Uh, if culture, cause culture shifted so much over the course of his very long and tenured career. That's you know? true. That's true. But it's, I, I wonder how much do people actually want that? Because I think it actually was Joe Rogan, but somebody was like, dude, you've just become a cranky old man. Like you're lecturing us about this. You're yelling at, at us about this. You're alienating people like this when it's like, I understand if you're not, it's a different time. I totally get it. if you're not going to bring a woman into the studio and be like, look at her tits. Yeah. 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 Like that right, I can right, get, right. but you know, I just wonder what would happen if he had some of that, like what made him, him intact. I don't know. Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a fair question to ask. Like I, I, I personally don't think that he would lose a ton from it, but you know, maybe he has insights into it that we don't have, you know, maybe, maybe he, maybe he has an executive at Sirius breathing down his neck, or maybe, maybe the ratings were worse. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I can't think that they actually are. Cause I think that there's a bunch of people who are still the way that they were two decades ago and now just don't vocalize it because of fear of judgment or rejection. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, you know, like I said, maybe he has some insight that we don't have, or maybe he's just gotten softer in his old age. You know, that's definitely something that happens. Like the older people get, the more sentimental you get, the more you start realizing that things aren't the way that you thought they were when you were younger. Like, stuff changes and evolves over time. You know, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he's fallen victim to becoming a better person, you know, <laughs> who knows? Diplomatic Travis added again, but it's also like, it's also something like you even made a comment, maybe someone in at Sirius is in his ear. And here's what I find interesting is that a lot of these like networks, any forget like the ABCs, NBC, we're talking about broadcasting. Now I always talk about complaining. I will shit on the fact that they are such dinosaurs because they're so committed to the cookie cutter good morning robotic and nobody so want we want raw we want real and i'm like what aren't they grasping a good it's example crazy. right and oddly enough travis a good example of this not that they're by any means vanilla or cookie cutter but i recently also had dave portnoy on my show who was like the 
you know, controversy man in chief, right? And so many people who love Barstool listen to my show and they'll say to me offline, we want them to just be like raw dog in it even more. Like we live for it. And when Dave was on my show, it's kind of a version of the Howard Stern. He said to me, Barstool is a business. I tell my people who work for me, don't rock the boat. It's not worth it. So it makes me sad because it's like money talks, but to what end? Because people want the raw. Sure. You know? It's it's so hard for me because like I I totally am on board with what you're saying, but at the same time, I totally empathize with Dave because like from an entrepreneurial perspective, Dave's been at this for two decades and he's put his blood, sweat, tears, energy, investment, money, time, everything into building Barstool Sports into what it is today. And so when you, when you see somebody like Dave working that much, like Dave knows he's, he's not a, he's not a dumb guy. Like he's a really smart business guy. He knows how many people are on his payroll. Like he knows how many people depend on him for a paycheck. And like, so you're going to potentially like screw over half of your employees and lose a ton of market share over something that maybe you didn't have to say in order to get the amount of clicks that you needed to get for that particular article or video, like in order to get the AdSense on that video, like you didn't have to cross the line, cross quote unquote, cross the line in, you know, whoever's perspective, like you didn't have to do that in order to get what you need to get from that. So why take a chance, take a risk on something that would potentially take a huge cut away from your business that not only like feeds you and your family, but now feeds, I mean, he's got to have hundreds of employees at this point. I don't know his exact number, but potentially maybe one or a thousand. I know, I think they're a half a billion dollar company at this point. So I assume they got to have hundreds of employees that all depend on him for a paycheck. And so like, if he's going to be out there, like running his mouth and pushing the line all the time, he has to know that that's eventually going to affect his PL, which is eventually going to affect the people that are on his payroll. And I think that people like him have a deep understanding of what things are worth taking the stand for and which things are not worth taking the stand for. So where do you see it ultimately going? Because even when I called out the dinosaur networks, you're nodding, like, I know it's a joke and we're seeing it, right? Like they're going to the abyss. They're every morning talk show, the ratings are literally non-existent. You know, (laughs) I was going to make an inappropriate joke. We'll do it another time. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's just so where, how far do they keep going? I guess is what I'm getting at because it's also like, this is cheesy, but it's like for that idea of fortune favors the bold, right? I mean, look sure. at Joe Rogan. So where do you see it all going? How long are like the dinosaurs going to hold on? Where, where does it all go? You well, know? the funny thing about dinosaurs is that they tend to go extinct, right? Like it's just a, it's just a matter of time. In my opinion, like, I think that, I think that what we're witnessing right now is like an overcorrection. Mm-hmm the pendulum is kind of like shifted in the opposite direction and people are going crazy about like making sure that they meet this thing and they didn't say that thing. And they're just going like, everybody's going out of their minds. Um, So what I think is going to happen, this is my personal opinion. I think that there'll in the next decade or two be some sort of an over, like another correction back the other way, hopefully not an overcorrection, but just another correction back the other way where the pendulum will maybe start Mm -hmm. shifting back a little bit. Um, And and you're kind of already starting to see like a lot of people buck that, system of authority, even just Elon Musk buying 10% of Twitter yesterday. That's a big move. That's a really, really big move because this is the first tech executive that doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. Um, that is like who, who's jumping into a social platform with that type of leverage in the company 
Um, and, uh, and he, and he actually has a platform to make really big positive change in that world. So if he makes big changes with, with how Twitter, you know, censors people or changes their platform, and then he put, could potentially come in, buy out the whole company, take it private. He's got enough money to do it. Um, and, uh, and then if he starts making all these moves and Twitter starts profiting from that because of all the people that desperately want to get back to that, um, I think that it'll, it'll call for some sort of a, a change or, or adjustment from some of the other, you know, big companies that alphabet or uh or meta or any of the other ones that are out there that are kind of you know the big proponents of of censor censorship and only one particular narrative existing on the platform and stuff like that so i, I think that we're already kind of seeing a lot of people you know bucking that quote unquote authority um but yes. uh but i think that i think that'll continue to happen i, I don't think that we're gonna i don't think that we're gonna continue getting more and more and more woke that's just my personal opinion because i just think that the majority of people are not on board for that they're over it and it, that's what i mean it's like it's quite a conundrum if you will because people like to your like the day point thing you're like i get it he doesn't want to step out of line and risk this that the other thing so it's like they're protecting something right but yeah. then on the other end of it it's really interesting because deep down it's what people really want so yeah, you I pick battles. that's my that's my opinion on that it's like he's got to right. it's like it's like being a parent you know like as a parent i have to pick my battles with my kids i can't like if I st like like put my foot down on every single thing, like that's how you get a kid that just rebels and bucks authority and doesn't want to listen to you and grows up resenting you. But like you you gotta, there's gotta be a little give sometimes and you gotta, you gotta pick your battles. Like these are the ones that I'm willing to say, like, absolutely not. This is what's going to happen. And these are the ones where it's like, nah, okay. It's not that big of a deal. You know, I, I can, I can let that go. My ego is not big enough to have to do this just to stick it to them. And then there's a bunch of, uh, collateral damage in the fallout because of a bunch of employees of mine that are no longer employed because we took a big hit in the market because of this thing that I said or did that I didn't absolutely have to do right. to get my point across. You know what I mean? Well, Travis, I'm glad that you brought up picking your battles because I was going to ask you this. You are obviously such a well-connected man in the business, obviously build your network podcast speaks for itself. Now I've listened to some of your stuff and it seems like you really don't give a shit when it comes to your personal, putting your opinion out there. So do you ever worry about reeling it back and rocking the boat and messing up connections you have? Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, not to the extent where I feel like I'm not being myself. Like I don't ever, I don't ever present an opinion that is something that I don't believe, but there are certain things that I just back off talking about, um, that I'm okay. just like, nah, I'm not going to get into that. Like I try to actively avoid lose-lose situations. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if it's any, any time where it's like a lose-lose situation where it's like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, I just like, I don't even engage in those types of, uh, in those types of things because it, like I said, it could be potentially damaging in, in so many areas that it just doesn't make sense for me to even talk into it. But luckily, like in the business world, I don't have to think about it that much. Like, cause I give, I, I give a lot of my opinions about business and things like that. Um, and, or, or like how to spend your money or, or how to manage your personal finances or how to think about your life philosophy. And, and like different things, like I give a lot of strong opinions about those things, but, uh, th those can be like, there's such a thing as being polarizing without, without having to be, um, like Trump level polarizing. 
right? Like you don't have to be Donald Trump to be polarized. You can be polarizing in a number of different topics across a number of different fields. And people that like your stuff are going to be attracted to people that don't like your stuff are not going to be attracted to you. And they're going to go find somebody else. I'm totally fine with that. Like that to me is a pillar of content creation. If you're not saying something polarizing, if you're not taking a stand for something, then all of your message is going to be vanilla all the time. And you're only going to have people who kind of like you rather than having a bunch of people who like really like you or love your stuff or actual fans of you or what you do. So you have to be willing to take stands on things. Uh, but I tend to take stands on things that are intrinsically unprovable. Like only my thoughts or opinions are true about this thing. Therefore, I can say it with certainty because of my experiences, but maybe somebody else might have a different experience. You know, what's interesting about your app, Guestio, is the whole idea, like I said earlier, is to connect creators, show hosts with big guests. Mm -hmm. I always look at my career in hindsight and I always say I got into it at the perfect time because the things that I would talk to celebrities about and how I did it, I would go out on red carpets with a selfie stick. So it was completely unlike what they were used to out of the box on top of it. I would really dig into like, they're over here being like, Oh, my outfit is couture. And I'd be like, okay, so the, um, origins of monogamy people, you know what I mean? Like things that they would never normally talk about. And I always say I would never get away with that now. Even like I brought up earlier, you know, the Danny DeVito boobs comment or grabbing Brooklyn Decker boob because now everybody is so on guard. So how do you see it from their point of view? Because I'm going to be honest, even when I go to book guests, I'm like, are they going to, are they going to really want to go there? Are they, you know, going to hold back? You know, how do you see it? Yeah. Uh, like for me, it's just a matter of asking. I usually just ask people, um, upfront or like if they if they're like an a-lister they'll usually have a list you know what i mean like here's things i'm not willing to talk about and you get that ahead of time from like oh i'm familiar their, with the list their, yeah like you, their pr team you know gives yeah. you that ahead of time and then i just know like eh, i'm not here to ruffle feathers like i'm not here like the reason that i'm talking to these people is like is typically from some sort of a positive angle. Like I'm not an entertainment guy. Like my, my podcast is not about entertainment. It's more about education. So it's easier for me to jump in and be like, no matter who I'm talking to, if it's Shaquille O'Neal, if it's Rob Deerdeck, or if it's Molly Bloom or whoever it is, like my job is to reverse engineer the steps to being successful in the venture not necessarily to like worry about their divorce or something like that, sure. that maybe they're not super open to talking to. So it totally is dependent on like the genre of the show, uh, on how the, on how the conversation is going to end up going. Like, I just, I try to make it a positive experience for everybody. And I'm only trying to pull out really valuable pieces of information that are going to help my listeners improve the yeah. quality of their lives. Censorship. Now, obviously I look at it at, on a pop culture level, right. And entertainment level. So what are your immediate thoughts? Like, is it, is it delusional? Is it a myth? And in the celebrity world too, like, do you think people aren't really being censored or they are, but if it's only in this way, I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on it? On, on the whole? People are absolutely being censored. My biggest problem with it is the lack of consistency. It's just like, like if I were a YouTube creator and not a podcaster, I would be so scared all the time of YouTube just deciding one day that like, this isn't, this isn't good content for people to listen to. You know, it's like, wait, who, 
who who's deciding that? Like what piece of this is not appropriate? Like what piece of this isn't true? Because I have some facts that maybe would be interesting for you to like look at. Like if it doesn't fit your narrative, right. then it's not like then it's censored and not allowed to be spread. And it's like, well, this is misinformation. This is disinformation. It's like, well, who's the one saying that it is? Because there's a lot of stuff that's not being said, or there's a lot of stuff that's being suppressed. That's absolutely not misinformation or disinformation, but it doesn't quite fit the narrative that you're trying to push overall. Therefore you censor it anyway. So like that to me is where the problem exists. And that that's all like the, the thing is, is like, there has to be some level of censorship, I, I think, because just frankly, for like, uh, you know, uh, age appropriate material and, and different things that are just like things that people should not be seeing. It's just like, there has to be some base level of censorship. The problem is trying to figure out where that line is and who decides where that line is. Cause like if some algorithm is deciding it, like who wrote the algorithm and what are they telling it to look for? You know what I mean? Like yeah. at some point, like it's, it's overstepping. And I think like the first couple of years of censorship, it was like, okay, probably a good idea to like get rid of that. Like, you know, think like this, you know, just to use this as an example, and I have no idea what the censorship was on this, but like a flat earth thing where it's like, this is just literally not true, right? Like it's very provable that we're living in a globe. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so like there, there's that, but then, but then what happens is over time, people want those sensors to start taking on roles that they shouldn't be taking on. It's like, well, this person over here on the right thinks that that thing isn't true. So that should be censored. And this person over here on the left thinks yeah. that that thing isn't true and that should be censored. And obviously all of the big tech companies are all left leaning. And so they only support the left narrative for the majority of things. And I'm not saying that that's true across the board, but the majority of the time it's censorship on the right because the political perspective of the people that are writing the code, writing the algorithm, making the decision that these high level tech companies are typically bred out of Silicon Valley, out of New York, out of Los Angeles, out of these like extremely left-leaning areas, um, which, which only which only you know allows them to amplify a narrative that fits the one that they think is the truth even though it may not be true. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's tough. It would be a tough job. Like I don't envy um, uh, uh, Susan, which, uh, how do you pronounce her last name? The CEO of, of YouTube. Like I, I, don't, I don't envy her because like th there's yeah. gotta be a little bit of censorship, but I think they take it way too far, far too often. Um, and I, I don't know what the answer is to that. Frankly, I, it would just, it would be, it would be a really difficult job. There's so many videos. There's so many hours of content going up over there. Like it would be really, really difficult to try to wear that hat for a little bit of time, you know? It is. It's like arbitrary, like pin the tail on the random video today that right. we're going to set. Like it just, it just makes no sense. And to your point, you know, there is, it's like, the left does it to the right, the right does it to the left. Both think that they are victims of it. Both think the other one gets away with it. Both yep. think cancel culture is on their side or not on their side. You know what I mean? And it just, it just goes round and round. But to your point about the mainstream, that's something that I will point out on my show too. You know, like I said, I look at it, you know, through a pop culture lens and two examples, like to your point, I always feel like if you're not you know, on the woke bandwagon, then that's it. Like one example is the view, right? Like Whoopi Goldberg keeps her job, but Sharon Osbourne is fired for defending Pierce Morgan, the Mandalorian. That's another one. Pedro Pascal keeps his job for posting, you know, a Nazi meme. Gina Carano is fired from the same show for the same thing. So that's where 
I'll talk about Lack this on my show. Consist yeah. exactly. And I never would want to say, you know, in one of my in the Whoopi Goldberg episode I did, I, I talked about consistency too. And I said, either do it to everybody or to nobody and let everyone have their peace. Obviously, I want it to be the latter. Right. But again, where does it go? Yep. Yep. You no, know? That's, a good, that, that's that's the question is really like where where is the line and who's drawn it? You know, because mm-hmm. whoever's drawn it, it's gonna be through the lens of some sort of bias or some context or perspective that they hold that maybe doesn't actually reflect what's absolutely true. And that's kind of a scary, a scary notion. And you talked earlier about how you think like the woke, you know empire, so to speak, is about to fall. But when we, and even like before we talk about the dinosaur networks, even entities, Travis, you know, like schools and, you know, all kinds of different, you know, you know, employers, they're all terrified because they want to like, seem like they're in line with the woke orthodoxy so bad, but it's like holding on to it for what? It's like your point. It's like, well, it's kind of people are over it. So it's like, what's the point anyway of it all? Like what are, again, it's like my question earlier. It's like, what are they holding on to? so hard and for what yeah i think that nobody wants to be the example like they don't want to be the one that gets hit or the next one like the the next one to bite the dust Um, i think frankly i I think the the way to stop it is just like let people keep trying to cancel and just don't let them cancel like i I think like i think there's far too many people apologizing these days like it, like you say one thing bad and like three news outlets capture it. And then all of a sudden your media team's like, we got to craft an apology. And you're like, okay, let's do it. And it's like, why, why are you crap? Like that only encourages them. Like if, if, if you're being like a real asshole and you genuinely feel really bad about it, then sure. Issue an apology. But like, if you're only doing it because like, oh, I want to make sure that my ratings are good. It's like, well, like for every person, for every person that like praises your apology, there's like 10 closeted people that are like, uh, why did you do that? Why are you pandering? Don't yeah. do that anymore. Oh. You know what I mean? Like just do what you're going to do and, and do it. Like most people don't give a shit. Like most people absolutely do not care. It's just that the ones that care are the loudest about it. So it seems like everybody, like, like there was no way pre-social media to know, to have a, a sample size of how many people cared about something. So like, if you, if you say something bad and then, uh, or say something against the narrative or whatever, um, and, and then like Twitter blows up and you're like all of a sudden quote unquote trending. And there's like 50,000 tweets about this. It's like, okay, 50,000 people tweeted that, that they disagreed with it, but I have 35 million followers. Like, it seems like it's a lot because it's all at once. And it's about this one thing, but like, if I just let it blow over, it'll probably just blow over. You know what I mean? Like you, does that make sense? Like pre-social media, there was just no way to have an idea. Like you and me might see it in a paper or you might see it on a news channel, but like, you don't get the sense of what the general public feels about it the way that you do now. And so like people, it's like, it's like a magnifying glass on hate. Like you can look at it in like, from, from like a fishbowl, you know, like you're standing outside of it, looking in at all the hateful comments about you. And it makes you feel bad. And it makes you question your own judgments and thoughts and morality about the thing that you did, which is why people tend to apologize because they start convincing themselves that they were wrong, even though they don't believe that they were wrong. It's just that social proof is a really um, uh, powerful psychological principle that overtakes everybody. And so if there's enough people saying that it was wrong, 
then you feel like it was wrong. And if there's enough people saying that it was right, then you feel like you're right or you're justified in doing that thing, even though it might've been wrong to do that thing, whatever the case may be. So uh, it, it is an interesting time to be alive. And I, and I genuinely hope that it starts going the opposite direction. I think that people like Joe Rogan, people like Elon Musk are really, really vital to making sure that that kind of stuff actually like, you know, goes away over time. So hell yeah. You just described the premise of my show. Cancel me, baby. It's like, dare you, I, you know, I yeah. dare you go ahead. I might piss this person off that person off, but hit me with your best shot. Try it. So exactly. uh, without the b- bullshit apologies. Now, lastly, uh, this is a perfect, uh, segue into, you know, I got to ask you about the Will Smith thing and the fallout because his apology was one where I was like, dude, are you joking? You literally might as well have been dancing like Patrick Swayze celebrating your Oscar after after party with no remorse. And suddenly 20 minutes later, you're all upset. Like, give me a goddamn break. So that's an example of apology for PR. But something I wanted to talk to you about, I don't know if a lot of people know this behind the scenes story. Wanda Sykes after the whole slap, Wanda Sykes, who was one of the co-hosts of the Oscars, came out and talked about how Chris Rock, who got slapped, apologized to her and said, I'm so sorry that what happened with me and Will took away from your moment. And she just said, that's who he is. And I thought that that said so much in a world, so much about character and upholding character, especially in a world now where everybody's trying to be flashy and go viral and pick their sides and are so superficial and with, you know, the internet, you know, is so toxic. So talk to me about how you hold the importance of someone maintaining their character, someone you have perhaps have, who, who you've interviewed, who really was a showcase of this. Like I heard you interview Shaq, for example, I'm just going to throw this out before you answer. And he was talking about the vaccine. And I love how he said, you know, I could understand why you do want it. I could understand why you don't, which is what I've said to you. Like to me, that's character. Yeah. So Talk to me about that. How do we maintain that in a world that's so nutty? And who do you think is someone who's a really great example of that? Yeah, I mean, well, you brought him up. Shaq is, a, I think, a really great example um, because of how famous he is and how long he's been famous. There's not many people that can maintain fame for as long as, like, he's been famous since, like, I was born. Like, literally, he came in the league in 92, which is the year I was born. Like, he's been famous since then. You know, that's 30 years of being famous. And it's seemingly, obviously, we don't know everything behind the scenes, but it seems like that whole time he's been a good father to his kids. The people around him in his life have nothing but good things to say about him and their his impact on them. Um, his agent that I that I talked to said he was like, We've never had to cancel anything because of Shaq not doing it or following up or being there. He's like, any, he's like, if it gets on his calendar, he does it and he does it to the best of his ability. And, uh, and I think that, I think that that is something that anybody can take into, uh, into life and be successful with And in, you know, successful is obviously a relative term because you may not be Shaq type successful. Um, but you can be successful in whatever it is that you're trying to be successful in. If, if you maintain that level of integrity and, and character, um, because at the end of the day, that's all you have, you know, that's all you have. You have, you have the way like you have your name and your reputation, but you also have the way that you feel about you one, like when, when everything else is done, 
Um, you know, like you, you, no, nobody's around anymore. The only, the only real thing that predicts how happy or fulfilled or joyful or, um, or, or overall satisfied with yourself and your well-being, the thing that predicts that the most is your relationship with you. And if you have a lack of character, then you probably can't spend that much time with yourself. You're probably not very pleased with yourself. And a lot of times you probably don't know why. You probably just like you're depressed, you're you're anxious, or and I'm not saying this is the case for all those things because I know depression, anxiety are real things. I'm not just trying to say it's all mental, but a lot of it a lot of it feeds into those things and doesn't make them any better. Um, and if you're somebody that doesn't follow through on what you say you're going to do, if you're somebody that doesn't respect fellow human beings, if you're somebody that uh, doesn't hold yourself to high standards or act in integrity, if you don't keep your promises to yourself or to other people, then you're going to subconsciously start to distrust yourself over time. And that's how you can look in the mirror at one day and just, and not like you and, and, and then wonder why. And it's like, well, because for the last decade, all you've been doing is breaking promises. All you've been doing is acting oh in accordance with things that you know to hurt you. All you've been doing is engaging in, in, in poisonous activities like gossip or spite or hatred yes. or fear. Like you've been living in these negative and horrible emotions for the last decade. No wonder you don't like, you don't like yourself. No wonder you have to have, you have to have music on in the background if you're by yourself or else you'll go crazy. You know what I mean? Like you, like if you can't spend an hour, two hours alone by yourself with no devices, no music, no anything, then you really got to examine like the way that you're looking at your life. And I'm not saying this from like, a, oh, I've made it standpoint. I'm just speaking from like a, a perspective of truth because like this is what's going to happen over time based on do you keep the promises you make to yourself? Do you treat others well? Do you do you, do you have respect for your fellow people? Over time, you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to be more productive. You're going to be more successful. And like if your definition of uh, just definition of success is like happiness, fulfillment, and joy anyway, you're going to get all of that by doing all of those things. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's tough. It's tough because like you know nowadays I think it's even harder to come by than it was before. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it's still of paramount importance, especially for your mental health. I want you guys to definitely take into account, like hold that with you with Travis just said, because I've seen it in Hollywood with the best of the best. And totally. it, that's what I was talking about earlier with integrity. You have the people you talk about Shaq, like I've interviewed Oprah, Matthew McConaughey, John Travolta. And those are the class acts. They will show up and talk to every, they will talk to the janitor. They will talk to yep. every member of the press, but then you have oddly enough, you know, the up and coming Z listers, the bachelor people, the influencers, the TikTok stars, and they think that their shit don't stink. And what does oh. that say about, I've seen it time and time again. So, um, you know, fantastic. It also says in five years, they won't be relevant anymore. Period. The, you know what they say, Travis, the quicker you come up, the quicker you go down. And then again, it's like, look at the, the household names, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, I'm going to leave us on a, we're going to be full circle people, a kumbaya girl scout fireside moment, because I'm going to end with a quote of yours, Travis. It's leave every relationship better than you found it. So thank you, diplomatic Travis, for joining us today. You did phenomenally. So thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Taylor. It's a lot of fun.